You're listening to Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon. I'm Joel. And I'm Timothy. Yeah, and on this episode, we'll be talking about um, the Netflix anthology series, African Folk Tales Reimagined. Uh, but before we start on that, just some, like things about what we've been up to all this time, in case anybody listening doesn't know. Uh, we started hosting weekly screenings at Revive. Tim, you want to hype that up a bit also? <laughs> yeah, mm. we're doing a, a movie night, a cinema red pill. Uh, we are partnering with a, a, a place in uh, Kololo called Revive by Aquaganics. And yeah, they have many theme nights and uh, Tuesday is their movie night. And yeah, so far we've had three of them. Uh, we are showing mainly Ugandan and African movies. And yeah, basically uh, movies from every genre across the continent. So yeah, um, we're doing it every Tuesday. And yeah, you should definitely come through if you're a fan of the podcast. Yeah, um, but we're skipping this Tuesday. So the next screening is going to be on the 18th of April. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Check our social media. That's where you can find updates about what is coming up but yeah we're about that please come through just happy to be recording again we're a bit sporadic with the releases but the things come when they come <laughs> Not Story of our life. <laughs> yes um but yeah let's get into it so african folktales reimagined i um some details this is a collaboration between Netflix and UNESCO, United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. Um, I don't know if you guys also saw, like, when they, 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 they put the call out, it really moved a lot. I don't know if people were also sending it to you. <laughs> yeah, I am blind also, man. Heartbreak. <laughs> 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 People get sending it to me, but I think you needed to have like produced something. I there was yeah. a requirement which was really like I definitely didn't qualify. Mm. But was the application process long? Were they asking for a lot or just like pitching? What like how was it? It was basic stuff. I think they just needed a concept note. They didn't ask for much, just the synopsis. I don't even know if they needed the treatment. But what they needed, though, was like a nice-looking pitch deck, I think is what I learned. Because I got to see um, like the pitch deck Lukeman handed in. I was like, yeah, that was nowhere near the amount of effort <laughs> I put into my application. <laughs> so, yeah. There are levels. You live and you learn. <laughs> Tim, did you apply? Uh, no, I did not. So, you didn't yeah, even think that, of it? You didn't that, consider it? No, no I, didn't, I didn't even see it, actually. I didn't even know about it until they actually... Hey. Yeah, those, I saw people being announced and stuff. That's when I actually got to know wow. about it. You know, that's, I... that's something we should start uh, doing. We should start posting these things also and helping people out, man. Yeah, that's true. We should share like uh, <laughs> all these film development opportunities, especially for Ugandans and East Africans. Yeah. 
Definitely. Okay, that's something to to consider for socials. Um, we should start adding those. I've really, I've just even, but now the thing I just recently saw, I think, was a film submission. But yeah, we'll, we should we'll be posting that stuff up for filmmakers. I saw this thing. Um, I think like yeah, people would send it to me like, because I don't know like. If in my family and stuff, them knowing that I'm just in two movies, they see something big and they're like, this must be an opportunity for you, which was a bit funny because I definitely didn't qualify. But um, it was then months later that they made a shortlist of 21 people. And on that shortlist, Lukman was still the only Ugandan. Um, There were about three Kenyans and it was really spread out. But Lukman still at that point was the only Ugandan who got through at that point. And each filmmaker was given 90,000 USD to make their films. Um, they shortlisted the 21 to 6. And yeah, these are the films that have come out. Um, so let's get into it. I wanted us to first start off with um, a brief ranking. <laughs> If you guys are things off with violence like that, yeah, let's start with violence and then get into it. So I think we should each give a like. I think we should each give like a ranking of from favorite to least favorite, and then we can go one by one, like in the order that they were released on Netflix. Okay. I shall okay. see you, don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, jump, jump off that cliff first. You know? <laughs> okay, so I will start by saying I feel like my favorite and my least favorite are like the most clear to me. So my favorite is Enmity Jean, the one made by the Mor- Mauritanian. That is like by far my favorite. Like I was just frothing at the mouth for that one. I was like, oh, 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 I watched it even twice over. So I love that one. It stood out for me from all of them. And then my least favorite are Mamlambo and Anyango and the Ogre are like mm. at the bottom for me. The three in the middle between um, Katera of the Punishment Island, Halima's Choice and Katope, those three yeah. like mix and match for me. Like I, I oh, prefer yeah, yeah, one yeah. At, at some point more than the other each time. But those mm. three, especially between mm. the yeah, those three are right in the middle. Like I like a lot about each of them, and as well as I have reservations on the other side. Um, yeah. Katop, yeah. So those three are right in the middle. So yeah, I've cheated in my not real ranking ranking, but my rankings mm. are those. <laughs> Joe, Joel, you can do your ranking next. <laughs> oh, uh, um, my favorite one was Enmity Jin as well. Absolutely loved it. Uh, set a great atmosphere right out the gate. Uh, my second is Anyangu and the Ogre. Um, okay. My third would be Halima's Choice. Then fourth would be Katera. The Punishment Island, then Katope, then Mama Mlambo at the very bottom. <laughs> my God. My I will talk about that later. But yeah, that's my that's my ranking. <laughs> Tim? Well, I would say uh, we, we have a clear winner because I would say also my favorite was Enmity Jean. 
I would say my least favorite, uh, I would say the two of them, which were my least favorite to watch, were probably Mamlambo and Halima's Choice. And uh, I would say second, I, I started you say you didn't enjoy Anyang and Oga, you rated it kind of low, but I would say it's second for me. Then mm-hmm. Katera of the Punishment Island, then yeah, Katope, basically. But my bottom two would be Mamlambo and Halima's Choice. So yeah. Okay, this has really set the pace. Like me, myself, I'm eager to hear this the motivation. <laughs> I mean, don't expect much. This is pretty much like first impression, like uh, reviewing. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah, let's uh, let's see. Okay, let's get into it. So, Katera of the Punishment Island is um. Lukman Ali's film, and I will get into like the moti- the inspiration for each one of them before we talk about them. Katera nice. of the Punishment Island is not really be- is not a, it's not a folklore tale. It's it's a real place in Kawale on Lake Bunyoni. Yay, yay, my hometown. And <laughs> yeah, in the pre-colonial era, unmarried pregnant women were taken to Punishment Island and left to die of hunger. Um, at the time, it was done to scare other women from having premarital sex and also said to, it was also motivated by the fact that virgin daughters gave a higher bride price. So it was a way also for the fathers to make, to, to scare the, the, their daughters to not having sex at all. Uh, but right now, Punishment Island is, a, is an attraction, is a tourist attraction. But if you look at it deeply, it's a cautionary tale about the dangers of the patriarchal system. Um, what Lukman does, his retelling, mm. is having Katera get um, rescued off the punishment island along with some other women who were abandoned on it. And she's devastated about losing her baby. She... Um, does not want to like go far away. He tried when 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 Wawuyo's character uh, breaks them away. He he tells them to go far away like Tumbara, but she insists on staying and settles in a village. And then lets Wawuyo's character know that she wants to revenge the loss of her baby. So it's more of a revenge tale um, against the people that put her on the punishment island and some other wrongs they had done her. Before that, I hope I think I got most of it. <clears throat> um, okay. So I'll start with my thoughts. Yeah, uh, I liked it. I th- it was very Lukman. Like Lukman really is here to have a good time. I was, I was, one, I was quite wondering what Lukman would do because I feel like it's a bit clear that the prompt for this was, or like all the films that have a lead woman, I think. Lukmans is the only that has a co-lead that's a man. And mm-hmm. I was wondering what an NGO-wise Lukman would look like, but he's really not NGO-wise. He's still being hardcore Lukman. Um, mm-hmm. So he has all his action scenes. Um, here he seems to be way um, ex- doing more. He's like, he, he talks about it also in interviews about the Western part of it. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can definitely see him playing around with that. I like. I feel like I have like a sentimental bias with this film in particular because <laughs> they are in Kawale and they are using Uchiga. It's like nice. 
to see like the sugar being spoken. So I keep having that kind of sentimental value, even when I keep thinking of the things that I didn't like about it. But yeah. it was nice. But although like Wabuyo's Richiga and the lead actress, what was her name? I'm sorry I didn't pick her name. Man, the Richiga is so bad. <laughs> I wanted to ask uh, how yeah. that it was that Richiga. Uh, um, Ka- Karabab- Karababito Tracy. Yeah, huh? Yeah. She, oh, it was bad. But I could tell, I think, I don't know if any either of you also noticed, the woman mm. who was playing like the mother figure in the village, she was mm. being dubbed. Like they were, you would notice really? that you, they were actively, <clears throat> I highly suspect, because Haruchiga was legit and you, they would keep doing that strategic angle where you're not really looking at her face and the movement of her mouth. <laughs> so she sounded really dubbed to me. And then when he, she when Katera meets one of her other village mates in the village, that guy's Ruchiga was perfect, mm-hmm. wow. like perfect. So you could really tell the difference once he came on and started speaking. I really like that. And um, the music is great. I don't know if you guys have seen on Quad A Quad A social media. They have a behind the scenes of creating the the theme with a choir, oh, and it's wow. really really check them out i follow them on instagram quad a they're a sound engineering company who do lookman sound they even did it with with him they went with him to nigeria no not going with him but they worked on the the sound for brotherhood which is the nigerian film lookman directed as well check that out yeah so i love the music as well although um as same with the costuming the costume is inspired by kabaka mwanga which I got to know afterwards. I was really like, what is with the Arab get-up? <laughs> the first time I saw him. Uh, but finding out he was motivated by Kabaka Mwanga, I was like, okay, that's a choice. Uh, and also he mixes, He there's a point where they sing Jabala. The, the song that they, yeah, they mix Luganda culture and Kabale culture, but it's fine. It's not really recognizable for people outside Uganda, but. And it works for the film, so I was fine with that. Although it would have been nice to dig into Kabale more, like really be like uh, accurate about the area and dig more into where the place was set. I would have liked that. Um, but it still worked. Um, last thing. Um, the things I didn't like the most were time passes. Uh, it's not clear how much time passes. And Katera has one single costume throughout the time that she's at the village. So you just can't tell, like, is this a new day? Is this, there's, there's a way, uh, the margin of time between when she escapes and then when she's trained. It wasn't even, like, much of a montage enough for me to make it feel like she has taken some time being trained by Wawuyo to become this revenged, this badass in time. So that was a bit shoddy for me. And, um, wait, wait, wait. Also, like, the plot got a bit convoluted. I really wished for it to be as simple as her just revenging them, putting her on the island. But they added in land. They added in the love of her life. They added in this other boy who's then over a thief. It was a lot. It was a bit too convoluted at some, by the end there. Um, but otherwise... I thought it was good. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I'll go. Um, yeah, I mean, you've said pretty much everything. 
yeah. But so I'm like, you're really, you're really, you've really done a proper like a dissection of it. But I would say again, like a big part with me liking this particular uh, shot in the collection was also like I think also very much the sentimental value of it because he also being a Muchiga and like hearing about this. Because actually, it's not even like a, a myth or like some sort of like urban legend. It's like a very like a real dark past of like Chiga culture, and like him actually like yeah bringing light to it, but again putting his own like spin of like the, the Western genre and all that, and actually uh, playing around with like the, the, the costuming of the time and just like trying to show like a different like a re- different he definitely reimagined that 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 period which was a very real period of uh, chiga history so that was something i enjoyed seeing because you don't see many stories especially in uganda films usually all take place in kampala and yeah so like see actually something that i know you didn't shoot entirely in cover the western uganda because i know there are like certain parts like uh the village where like these huts are set up like i don't think that's a very very common in the chiga culture like it's something that's more common to western to northern uganda and the manyatas and all that so him was actually incorporating as you said a lot of like different aspects of ugandan culture and history and like just melding it around this story set in western uganda so i feel it was good to see just um, a very different like something that's a genre piece but they are set in like very real ugandan history it was very enjoyable for me to see and again i would say my, as this was a short film, it's really hard to. He probably could have done more with the feature, like I imagine he could have. And maybe again, the, the part of this thing was convoluted towards the end was perhaps again he's working in like a very limited medium, like uh, the short film. So I imagine if it was, it was a feature, he'd probably like explore more things. But again, I actually enjoyed more just the revenge aspect of it all. Like you're right, you couldn't really tell how time passed because they really don't show that as much so you don't get to see like Katera's growth into this badass that she becomes. But yeah, it was like a, as a simple revenge story, it worked. So yeah, um yeah, I would definitely and of course the visuals are great. Like Lukman has his visual style like down to a T. So yeah, it, it definitely worked as a whole for me. Yeah. All right. I'll go next. Um yeah. yeah for me it was of course the uh, the heavy Tarantino <laughs> thing that's always going on in his films. So this one was like Django Unchained and Kill Bill smashed together. And yeah, like uh, Sharon said, Lukman is here to have fun. So I enjoy seeing him having fun and paying homage in that sense. Uh, I loved the double entendre of like uh, having a Western genre in Western Uganda. Like, I just thought yeah. that was a funny little uh, a thing. A Western. A proper Western. <laughs> Double Western. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I really dug what he was trying to go for, um, which, of course, you have, like, the revenge story. Uh, you have this mentor with a shady past, uh, played by Wawuyo's character, uh, played by Wawuyo. I was, I was really hoping to dig more into what he had done. He seemed like he was, uh, was like a former collaborator. I think they hinted at that in some flashbacks. 
uh, that he was on the other side. Uh, then there was that um, the dude played by River Dan, the thief. Uh, and yeah, I was like, what's his story? Um, and I, I get that he was trying to follow the trope of the Western um, where the hero puts together a posse and they ride into town to take down the big bad uh, gangster. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the, the I think the issue with me really came, it really came down story. I can't, you can't knock the visuals as usual. They're, they're really amazing. Um, Sharon has shed enough light on the Ruchiga. I'll leave that alone. Um, but I think, <laughs> like with all his films, it always feels like it's the first act. I always feel like the rise to action is like just happening. And when we're rolling the credits, it feels like the adventure was just beginning almost. So even at the end of this one, when she kills the uh, the big bad uh, general, I, I don't know what ranking he was. Uh, when she takes him out, it was like, you know, it felt like there was going to be something more, like there'd be these repercussions and maybe there's this bigger, badder guy that comes after them maybe one of the colonials. So yeah, it, it, it felt like there were a bunch of uh, chunks missing, um, not, not, not only like within the story, like Tim uh, pointed out, but also beyond that, it, it, I, f- I, I wish it had more time to breathe. And I think uh, Lukman does do better in like the, f- with the feature film length. Um, yeah, even even those have their weaknesses, but yeah, I think with like a little more room to breathe, uh, he does a lot better because he has to have fun. Uh, I think is what he prioritizes um, above all else, and that's why the movie was still good. Unlike uh, those bottom two ones, like Mama Mlambo, like <laughs> at least walking away from this one, I was like, there's some cool shots, there's some fun action. The stuff with the Gatling gun was insane. Having a scene with the horses as well was insane. I had so many questions. Like, how did you accomplish this? Who's your horse connect? Like, <laughs> like, like those are those are things that, <laughs> that entertained me in the background. Even trying to catch, like, hey, is Wawuyo really rowing that canoe? Like, <laughs> all the way. Like, stand, stand doubles are where in UG. Um, so I, I really enjoyed... Uh, the love, the love that goes into all his productions, really, um, and, and I think that's why his movies continue to connect with people uh, on the level that they do, uh, despite whatever weaknesses might be pre-existing. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to his next movie after this. He keeps posting stuff with like kung fu, so I think that's the next one. Oh, yeah. Like on his. Ubuntu, Ubuntu so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I that seems it. to be his next. Plan. Yeah, Joel, you talked about like trying to clock like what things are happening. I think that's where like you can see the budget. Like, I feel like he's usually having to like hide stuff, but here he mm. could show things. I was uh mo- for the scene that I thought the the where I thought. Oh, Stunt people was Michael Wawuyo, the dad. He's I don't know if he's senior or he's just Michael. Yes. He he's oh, like God. thrown into the water. I was like, yeah, no! impossible. Like, I impossible. know. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, no, 
there's one question that I have about that scene because like he ties his like chain to this like heavy metallic like statue. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, like um, the thing. The meta- I think it's like the Venus something. So like I don't know. I was like, what's like? Was there like some sort of like a like underground? I don't know, like meaning or something to that, or was it just like, is, a cool thing? Like this guy being chained like- at and being dumped in like Bunyoni. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did not imagine it had much meaning. I think, yeah. yeah. I don't know, Joel, what you thought. Oh yeah, I thought it was some kind of authentic Richiga totem or something like a fertility <laughs> idol or something yeah. like that. That's what it looked like. It, it didn't look like anything Ugandan I'd see, but it's yeah. like, oh, I, I guess it's it's interesting. I think yeah. I think those are one of those creative liberties. I don't think Lukman yeah. cares about details. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> authenticity it's like this works for my scene it is a tool yeah. i'll use it and yeah. have fun and that's it um so yeah, yeah that one i also just let go um <laughs> <laughs> like this is not the movie for this <laughs> i know i know um is there anything else you guys have to say about uh katera before we move on to the next i think i've said a lot <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll just say I'll be interested to see him tackle it on like a feature on like a feature film length uh, level. Uh, but no, knowing him, he's probably just moved on to the next project. You tend to not want to look back. Like I'll finish that thing. Let me go do the next thing. Yeah, but yeah. That's my final comment. Alrighty. Um, let's go next to Halima's choice. So Halima's Choice is an entry from Nigeria, directed by Korede Aziz. Um, so Halima's Choice, the folklore, folk tale that it's based on, is about a wealthy man called Alhaji who asks for <clears throat> Halima's hand in marriage and offers a large sum of money as bride price. So her parents are eager to accept the offer. Halima is hesitant to marry Alhaji because she's in love with a man called Musa and she decides to run away with Musa, but he falls ill and she returns to her parents for support. They're reluctant, but they later realize they were wrong for pressuring her. So it's more of a tale about accepting Halima's choice. That's what the original folk tale is usually based on. Um, for the film, uh, this retelling, there is no three-way um, Halima is also still being uh, have, going through an arranged marriage and her parents want her to do that. But now she's to make a choice between the old world and the new world. They have like, what can I call it? There's a virtual world called Napata and the people in the area where Halima stays, I've forgotten its name, have chosen to not be a part of, the, of that world when a stranger comes around, they're suspicious about who he is, but he comes off as someone who's okay. And but later on, uh, in a, they they find out that not they Halima then finds out that he has like a chip. There's a chip they put on their head to go into that world, and then he admits that he's actually not human. That I didn't get so much about that, but then. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit confusing, but 
they the villagers come kill him and then halima makes the choice like she's in this limbo of choosing either going to the napata or staying but the ending shows her choosing for neither so that ends up being halima's choice that's how i took it um i think i don't want to start with my thoughts every time so i think (laughs) oh joe go first go first go first yeah, I just want to say this is the best NGO film I've ever watched. Um, usually when I'm like curating, like over the years, I've had to sit through some really bad NGO short films, man. But this one had effort, you know, and it wasn't trying to over preach, like it embedded its things in there. Um, and it put so much effort, I think, into like the lore and the world building. I really appreciated that. Uh, it's, it's almost like a new religion where people like are uploading themselves to a cloud, just living out whatever paradise fantasy they want. Like I just, I just loved what the world was, um, and I liked being in it. Um, that that dude, what's his name, Musa, the stranger that ca- that came to the village. Yeah, I also didn't quite get the, um, like, I got that he was an android. I thought that was interesting. Um, and of course, the villagers did the Frankenstein monster thing. Uh, but eh, that mob justice thing was so hard to watch. I was like, Bambi, <laughs> he just came to observe. But they... <laughs> um, and, and it was a bit um, soap opera ish, especially towards the end. Um, like she flees and she comes back and anyway, it was it was a bit muddled at the end, but uh, it started off with like a lot more promise for me. Um, so it gets high marks really for the concept and the amount of effort that went into an NGO story. Um, yeah, that's that's about it from me. Mm. Yeah, um, I think yeah, because I actually mentioned that I did, I didn't really rate Halima's choice that much, um, and I, yeah, like again, like of, of all the of all the of all the films in the collection, it's probably the one that I found least memorable. And again, a bit, a big part of it also was the acting. Like the acting just put me off. I don't know why. Something about Chico was playing Halima, but that's- and like, just. No, like just the end scene where like she breaks down. I was like, I'm not believing any of this. Like, Bambi. But, yeah, but then, but then again, the thing is like again, you talk about the concept of the, of the film itself, and yeah. So there's uh, the community has chosen to like uh, to shy away from like the world of like you know AI and people uploading themselves to like um, like the internet or like enhancing themselves in some way. So like there's this aspect of which is something people are already like talking about right now of like transhumanism of like in the future when people will have to like actually like integrate like similar like neuralink and stuff all that kind of talk of people becoming part cyborg like that's perhaps the next frontier and that could again also if if it ever came to that that would also bring like a whole host of like moral questions and stuff and moral debates in society so i feel like in a way there was that that they could have like maybe confronted or like uh gone deeper into and that concept of just making that very clear but like yeah making it more about halima and her choice and as you said you, i didn't even know about the folklore and like yeah i imagine it has its own very deep meanings but again like 
in the context of this, I felt like there was this very interesting topic that they didn't really go that deep into. I mean, they kind of like built the world and shed light on it, but they didn't go into it as much as I would have wanted. And instead, they focused on the story of Alima, which I do get like the issue of like, yeah, as I said, it feels like an NGO film. But like, yeah, I just feel like if they were really going to reimagine something, or maybe like do something that really has to do with that kind of discussion of what it means to be human and like love across like who knows whatever sort of like moral boundaries people set in society, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I felt that wasn't gone into enough, and that's like it kind of threw me off. And yes, I just wasn't feeling it. But yeah, maybe. Maybe I, I was expecting too much or something, but Ooh. yeah, I feel the potential was there to actually push in those directions. And it would be like something that's, yeah, very revealing of like what's happening in the world now as well. Yeah. I, yeah, it's as like you had like already, I don't know, you wanted more from the film as if. Yes, yes. Like when I saw how it started off and like just like the, the, the chief like preaching to these people who are sitting and they're all like, you can see, yeah, these are the people and like they're talking against them doing that. I felt that would be something that would be explored more, but it was just like the mob justice thing at the end and like it being like Halima. I don't know if that's. And like Halima's choice just didn't mesh well with like the whole concept of like they didn't mesh mesh the two ideas well enough for me. That's yeah. I think I I'm in agreement with you guys. Like that, it starts out quite strong. The acting is not great, and then the then the ending is just too shoddy, too messy. Like it, they didn't stick any landing. Like even the, the them killing the guy, like. I think he, I hope he was called Musa. Then the kill, his <laughs> killing was over anticlimactic. I'm like, ah, yeah. that's, like, I should feel something real. Like, there was no, the setup wasn't enough to make it gut punching. And even by the, when Halima makes her choice, it's not relieving as a viewer. It's just like, oh, okay. It's just, like it, they didn't finish the landing properly, and the, the potential is there. I think, which is even the sadder part of it all. This, it's, it has like, if it worked even better than it does, the way it is right now is a good film. Like it could really have hit and be greater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Halima's choice? Yeah, in parting, I would say I also liked how the the Napata world looked like, mm-hmm. uh, like the effects that were used there, and the production design. Yeah, I, th- I think it was mostly the production design. I thought was amazing. Felt mm-hmm. like they poured a lot of money uh, into mm-hmm. that scene. Um, so yeah, that's that's one more thing I like really liked. That's dope. Um, I, yeah, I listened to a Nigerian talk about this film, and they were really talking about how it they liked it because it's like set up country, like in a different area, not the town, and how most Nigerian films are set like in Abuja and Lagos, and the language. So they had like some the way we are sentimental about the Ruchiga in Katera is the way that person was talking about how sentimental it was to see the film where it was set and the language they were using. Okay. 
Um, so we go next, Anyangu and the Ogre. Um, this one is from Kenya and it's directed by Volin Ogutu. Mm-hmm. So this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know I'm quite shocked you guys like it. But first, the Anyangu and the and the and the Ogre is it's like a book. It's a it's a kid's thing. It's like a kid's tale, and it's similar to the to what the film says. Ah, no, actually, it's not. It's it's not at all. Anyango is actually fetching the, the in the in the original tale. She has gone to fetch water, and then she's attacked by an ogre, and then she fights off the ogre. So it's like it's actually like Kiruku just being that thing of a kid can outsmart a big beast. Is what the folklore is. Here, Anyango is. Um. Wait, Anyango is the mom, right? Is it? Uh, yes, yes, yes. So Anyango is the mom, and there's like a blue zone and a black blue zone and a gray zone. Yeah, and yeah. married women enter the blue zone. Married people mm-hmm. enter the blue zone. We're specifically following Anyango. Like you get access to the ring. And in the gray mm-hmm. zone, there's like oof, darkness, sad feet. Like in the beginning, what we see is gray. Then we go to her home, and then her husband is there, and uh, violence, uh-huh. violence on the kids, violence on the woman, <laughs> violence, violence. And, and, one, and on the meanwhile, meanwhile, one of the kids is reading the book of. of Anyango and the, of, of of an ogre story, and the a similar thing is happening, but in the in in place of the dad, it's like an ogre, and mm. how it ends is the kid ends up being like would rather leave. Oh, they first of all kill him by mistake, kind of, and then end up leaving. They have to leave the blue zone and go to the gray zone, but in the gray zone, they are happy there. So this was one of my least favorite ah, Mamlambo's crimes. <laughs> I, 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 I did like this movie, guys. <clears throat> Why? Click on it. It's like the movie is like domestic violence, bad. Full stop. I'm like, and then what? My issue with it mostly also is that the ogre story and the real life story are the same thing happening. So we go from violence to violence, to violence, to violence. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, for me, this is the worst, most, um, what do they call those things? Like, public service announcement. Like, when you want to tell, it's like a public service announcement movie of domestic violence is bad. The folk tale, I think that I liked things about it. Like, I, I, I like the colors of it. Like, I liked even the atmosphere of the gray zone. Those things were strong. But for me, and I also think it's about the place that I am right now as a person. Like, Kale, you don't give me the, a big display of violence and not have much depth to it. Like, for me, I just felt like there was not much depth. And it was attempting at depth at times. Like, when they mm-hmm. show the ogre, like, they tried to do a flashback. 
but they don't get into it. Like I, and then it's clear. Yes, we understand that people who are violent, they have a pattern of violence. Even if they've showed it, I realize I would still hate it because that is still some NGO bullshit. Like that is, that is not what I like in my movies. I really think NGO movies are there for a reason and they're sh- like, but that's not what I'd be looking for ever. <laughs> Ever. It's just not something that I read. Like I understand like people make those movies, they go show them to people who are violent. They have a purpose. But for this lineup mm-hmm. of re I expect more from filmmakers in this stance with a ninety thousand dollar budget. I don't know. Aye, like yeah. more. Films tend to give you more. This is just way too and violence, it was just violence the entire time. It was such a horrible experience watching it. And then I even was a bit quite bothered by, like, mm. I kept even thinking about how this is a thing that's about women, right? And the prompt mm-hmm. must have been about, like, women. And sometimes I actually, like, it didn't have any propaganda for me, right? Because the woman is exceedingly helpless, even down to the end. I didn't even feel Dang. her release at all. I don't know. I really mm-hmm. did my ganyango and the uga, and it was like hammering the point and hammering the point. Ugh. No, I didn't like ganyango and the uga. But let me know why you guys like it. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, you okay if I go next, Tim? Uh, I can go. I mean, I also I don't have that much to say because she has already bashed everything I was going to, <laughs> to No, please, yeah, please so continue. Much. But yeah, if there's yeah, a bonus, like, again, uh, yeah, like like I do get like the the, the 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 violence of it all was quite intense. Like I also felt it, and I'm a person who usually has like a high tolerance for like violence in movies. But I also felt it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like after like after thinking about it for a while, like that's kind of the thing that I thought of, like the juxtaposition. Like yes, there was violence happening in this other like timeline, like the fantasy story world. But like, mm. yeah, I felt it wasn't as as intense in the real world. Like, there's a way the violence in the real world was just very like shocking. Like, I don't mm. know. There was a, there's there's a degree of it being like kind of whimsical in the story yes. world and with the narration of the kids. Like, I kind of felt it. But maybe on rewatching it, I might say that it was just as bad. But on the first viewing, I kind of felt that. And maybe another thing I really did appreciate was the acting of the kids in this. Like. It's not easy to like direct kids, and I feel like they actually did a good job. Like for me, they were the best. Like yeah, the dad was like the mean ogre and all that, and the mom was like basically this very like uh, maternal like angel type character. But like I really did enjoy the kids, especially the older brother who was like reading the story. Like I kind of like felt for the kids. I felt something there, and I wanted them. To, I actually wanted them to. Yeah, just be like in a better place. I believed in the characters, and yeah, so I feel like that's something that maybe like would take Anyango and the Ogad over like a bunch of the other movies. Like when I was ranking them, actually made me feel something in a way. So yeah, that's all. I, that's what I can. That's what I can really say. But yeah, you you pretty much mentioned like the juxtaposition was a big thing for me. And yeah, the performances of the kids were really like what I picked out in this. But as a whole, yeah, it's it's okay. But yeah, it's definitely better than a lot of the others that we're going to talk about after this, at least in my opinion. <laughs> so, yeah. 
All right. Um, so it's a, okay. It's a good time to bring up that this was my second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that. Oh my god! <laughs> I think it was, it was my second as well. Second or third? Probably. It was yeah, my so second. It was like the third. Second. It was yeah. higher on Joel's list. Yeah, yeah. As we were debating whether to make it first, like that's how much I liked it. Um, so I was, I'm so fascinated by the way by what your experience was of the film, and I understand why. Because here is how my experience, I think, got colored in a very different direction. Because I feel like I watched a very different movie <laughs> from what you guys have described. But I watched it with the with with Kenyans, with Kenyan women especially. So right off the bat, I got like the whole lowdown on like the Anyang on the ogre story and all the sentimentality that carries with just being a Kenyan school child, and it's like all of them know this story and uh, what it represents. Um, and I, I think the, what the, what the basic like theme of the story is like, uh, kind of like, be like, uh, don't judge a book by its cover. Um, cause you have this thing of like, you get like this handsome man, Ooh. but it's like, beware, he could secretly be an ogre. And I think we have stories like that here as well. I think almost every African society has a story of the sort so starting right off the bat, the way I framed the character's journey, she wasn't uh, helpless. It was an internal struggle between um, being uh, ostracized and stigmatized as a single woman and a single mother. Uh, because uh, apparently, um, I think about 61 or 60-something percent of women in Kenya are like uh, single mothers now. Um, and socially for them over there, uh, again, I'm paraphrasing, so it could be a lot of broken telephones. So I advise everyone to do their own research after. Um, but uh, from what I recall, <clears throat> yeah, this this is like an epidemic for them. So like watching it, I got the, the whole premise of it was like, sh would, I, would I rather stay with the monster and have like the social security, I guess, represented by that blue zone of like being like, you know, I have the status of I'm married, so I'm secure, my kids are supposedly secure, and we'll just keep with like trying to look good on paper and that will be enough. Versus do I focus on actual happiness and risk the ostracization, basically being kicked out of society, um, represented by the gray zone now. So I I saw it as like, this was a movie very, very much where it was just about her inner struggle. And I really loved, uh, like Tim mentioned, the kids as well. And I loved the magical realism aspect that this story had and how it was melding the folk story that the children are reading with what was happening in real life. And I really love how it was uh, directed and shot. Uh, the DOP and director were amazing. I especially loved that scene where um, the dad is uh, trying to get through the door and then the kids are in the hut. And I just love the shot they did where they made him feel so giant uh, in the space with just like simple uh, angles I, I just loved the fairy tale aspect they brought to what's a very dark um, situation. Um, 
so yeah, for for me as well at the end, I did feel like yes, she hadn't had that release and I saw it as being the more subtle direction uh, to go with it because she wasn't going to get over all her trauma immediately overnight. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really liked it a lot for those reasons. And, and another fun fact, the guy that plays the dad, uh, Lucarelli, I went to school with him in uni. And he acted in some really bad short films of mine that would never see the light of me. <laughs> so I was very I, happy I, for him. I liked his acting. I, f- I felt like he was a strong performer also alongside the kids. Actually, the, there were great actors in this film. I feel like yeah. I, I get where you guys are coming from to like it. And um, <laughs> I, like I see, like the way I didn't, I didn't feel like there's a point even you referred to the August story like a fairy tale. I wish I felt that more. I really wish I felt that more. I wish I felt like mm. a release every time we went that side. I was yeah. just feeling too, even more intensity and the kids again in danger this side and also that side and that was just too much for me. Also, I want to insist that this is a me thing. Like I get that, okay, this is such a me thing because for me, I look, I'm like, okay, I know so much about how um, violence in relationships works. I know too deeply about how often women stay and how they are always conflicted, how much it affects their kids. I just know those stories too much and I've seen it play out so many times and it is a devastating thing that women go through. I just need a film to do more than just show it to me. I, I can't deal with a film just showing it to me like that. So it is yeah. definitely a me thing. I, I've, I've, I've actually seen so many positive reactions to it, but for yeah. me, I'm like, uh-uh, I, I need more than this. You, you can't just show me this and I allow. Like, I'm beyond, yeah. like, yeah. So that's my thinking. Yeah, I, I think that's one thing I might have missed to say because um, I do agree with you as far as justification is concerned. And for me, the justification was more for the character of the father as well because the transformation to monster in that basketball scene, which again is shot really beautifully, but the escalation to violence was insane. Um, it felt like a little more needed to uh, go in there. Like I got what it meant. I got the logic of um, what the character was and why he was inflicting violence on the kids and the mom and blah, blah, blah. But it feels like the movie should have let that breathe a little more before we got to that space. But yeah, that would have meant like a longer runtime. Um, but yeah, that, that would be one gripe I had with it as well. Yeah. Um yeah. The the director herself I read an interview of hers and her 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 response to what inspired it was actually a lot less like deep than what you've described. She said mm-hmm. that on Valentine's Day, like that moment when like there's a lot of women receiving gifts and it was like a hard thing being single for a while like for a very long Mm. time and just feeling left out and kind of like yeah that it was less about 
I don't know if she has talked about like the stats of the single mothers and stuff, but that was yeah. her description. That's very interesting. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it, it makes it so much more interesting for me now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, um, um, yeah. But okay. yeah. anything else on Onyang and the Ogo? Okay. And the next one is, oof, our consensus favorite, MNT Jin. The Jin story, I feel like the Jin story is the most, like, recognizable event, like, since Genie mm-hmm. in Aladdin happened. And yes. there's also other movies that reference the Jin as, like, bad juju. Um, mm. Yeah, so that one, I really don't have to get into it. It's just... Um, it's a jinn in mostly in Middle Eastern like Muslim culture. In Muslim yeah. culture, really, the jinn is Arab culture. Is, uh-huh, Arab and Islam culture. It's like a shapeshifter, and then it's bad. Like it's also good. It's always a mix of things. And the film, the film explains what a jinn is. Actually, I don't have to get into it. So. Uh, in this story, though, for Jin, there's an elder woman, and she <clears throat> we first see her as a baby, and she confronts the Jin when the Jin has come and done the things in the area and caused a lot of bad. Then we go 75 years later, and we see her in the, in a in in a different setting. I really like that just juxtaposition of ooh, that whole desert time, and then 75 years later. And someone calls the jinn and she confronts the jinn and manages to defeat the jinn. That's really the, 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 the gist of it. It's there's very little dialogue. It's such a quiet film. It's really nice. But, um, Tim, I think you start with your, 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 what you think of this film. No, I mean, uh, I don't even really like, I don't think I even fully grasped the entirety of the story. Like, but like, I know as far as like, watching it and like the pacing the cinematography the rhythm the acting and just the just the way the whole film came together was just i felt it was just uh extremely well done um again as you say the concept of the gin is a pretty common one it's one it's one we are used to at least uh seen referenced at least in a lot of other films but I feel like in this one, uh, there was kind of like uh, it being represented kind of as like a generational curse of sorts. Mm-hmm. And like uh, this uh, grandma, like the family had to kind of vanquish it. So at least that's what I felt was the basic concept, at least for the film. But as a whole, just as a work of art, like the way it was done, like I could even watch that movie, like even without the sound on and just like see the pacing, like it was just well done and like through and through so yeah i would say like that's like i just don't have like one bad thing to say about it besides the <laughs> fact that i haven't like watched it more to unpack it and maybe like oh. yeah enjoy it a bit more but yeah i felt it was a very well done film so yeah and again it's interesting because it's also from it's like the Maurita- it's a mauritanian film mauritanian, and the, yes. yeah and that's where like sisako is from so like i definitely do see like the aesthetic oh. that they do have like yeah, so it's kind of it has it has parts that like mirror like Timbuktu and the like, which is maybe something we just used because that's kind of like the like of the last maybe ten years or something like the North African movie that everyone has kind of seen and references. But yeah, I felt it was just really well done and like 
as a whole, it, its pacing was very different from a lot of the others, like um, uh, uh, Lukman's definitely like an action piece, and then Anyama and the Ogre does have its moments of, you know, the intense violence, and then the whimsical nature of things, then there's the whole tech and um, like urban, like village, like uh, sub-Saharan, like village setting of Halima's Trace, and I think Katopia and Mamlambo. This one, I think, was just from a very different part of Africa, perhaps. Yeah, and yeah, I think it was just really well told, in my opinion. Okay. I guess I'll go. Joel? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I really, really, really love this film. Um, the edit was immaculate. Um, the pacing was beautiful. Uh, so much atmosphere. The director really let so many shots breathe. Like on a technical level, I just enjoyed uh, watching this film. Uh, and it didn't do too much in the realm of fancy things. Uh, as like one visual effect somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love the minimalism of everything. On the story side of things, I really loved that concept of the generational curse uh, of hatred, it seemed like, or envy or jealousy, uh, something of the sort. Um, but I loved uh, the, the, the t- even just the time jump. Um, the, there was like not really that much dialogue, but you have like that scene of the baby um, erasing uh, the gin, and then it comes into play at the end of the film uh, where the grandma uses uh, babies to get rid of the gin that's uh, coming into their house. I, I really loved that moment. And I think it, it hits home uh, a lot for especially Eastern and Southern, uh, the Eastern Southern part of our globe, uh, those cultures. Uh, where it's, uh, it gives you this vibe of like, you know, your grandmother might have saved you once and you don't even know she like uh, vanquished some demons for you. <laughs> I, I really loved uh, that aspect. Uh, it was so much sentimentality. And it's it's one of those films I can't wait to uh, watch again. It was absolutely uh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Same, same, same. Just so good and like the smallest things were just so moving i really liked how they chose to even design the gym and i like mm-hmm. the way the gym would move like oh like the way they would even place him just in different angles in the house it was driving me crazy this movie was too good um mm. Yeah, I liked even the subtlety in the storytelling. Like, there's a scene where one of the, like, showing the bad things happening in the family and one of the little boys gets into an accident with a bike. And how they mm-hmm. show it, they just show him, look at a bike. The next thing you know, it's crumpled up. Like, they weren't, they were trusting the audience. I just love it when people trust people to see things because that's the stuff that motivates you to even check it out again because you live in Simo the second time. And mm. the neighborhood felt so real. The mother, the, that grandmother was a great actress. My God, if, I don't know how much acting she's doing, but just her on screen was really, really dope. And yeah, the baby touching, I, just from the first scene, really, like the movie <laughs> starts and you're like, I am in, uh, interested, like somewhat interested in like good hands, right? It was just too yeah. good, so... Props, props, props to this Mauritanian for this film. It's so good. 
Anything else before I move to Katope? Um, no. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Katope is from Tanzania. Uh, director Walt Mzengi. And the folktale of Katope is similar to the film. And the difference mostly is that in the folktale, Katope is a boy. And mm. same thing, he's created from earth. And he's born to an old couple, not just one woman in the folktale. An old couple can't have kids, but... Um, he can't be caught in the rain. Like, the rain would ruin him. So it's more a tale of him uh, dodging rain. Like, in the folktale, the way it's described is that he, it's about how he manages to play with the other kids, but then ends up heeding to the rain, but that's because he doesn't listen to, to the parents' warning. That's what the folktale is. But Katope, the film, is um, also a child is molded from, from Earth as well. And the child coming to coming to life then led to a drought. So the people of the village tell the mom that Katope has to like go away and rain will come and that's exactly what happens. Uh, I don't know if she goes away. That ending was something I want to discuss. But yeah, I think Joe will go first on this one. <laughs> okay. Um Katope it's such a it's such a disappointment for me um because uh, when it started out um again the the kenyans as as will was that were telling me how it's a story that's kind of similar to the gingerbread man a fairy tale mm-hmm. uh, except this this one is made out of mud and yeah i think that got me too hyped at uh, the beginning of the movie <laughs> But like where we were going to go with it, I was prepared to even just watch it bit for bit, like just reproduce the the fairy tale as is. I felt like the film was uh, too abstract, and it gave me Terence Malick vibes. That's the guy that did Tree of Life, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. Um, so I, yeah, so I, I liked um the atmosphere. Uh, some of the scenes that were in like Katope. But the story, like the choice for the direction the story went in, I did not enjoy as much. Uh, even if the stakes were um, large as well on paper, where um, Katope's emergence is tied to like the drought that this village has had for several years, and it's like you have to sacrifice uh, the child so that the rains return. Like, I loved all those stakes. It's just the way the story was, like, paced out and the scenes they decided to show us didn't feel like they were the most powerful way to represent some of the ideas uh, that I believe the filmmaker was going for with the story. So it's like I can see from the beginning and at the end what the intent was, but in the middle... I feel like there were a few wrong choices uh, that were made. Uh, so ultimately, it was really pretty to look at, but uh, so disappointing ultimately for me. Wow. Okay, Timothy. Yeah, I mean, uh, same here. Like, I even, when I think about it now, I barely like even remember. <laughs> like, I know it had something to do with a rain ritual, and I was like, 
yeah, and I think a blackbird and them having to get it, but like as a whole, it just left me with a very, yeah, like I just, I got nothing really out of it. I don't know, like, and that's again, maybe, maybe it's down to the me watching it or the mood I was in, but yeah, I just didn't really get anything from Katope. It was interesting though, knowing it's from Tanzania and like the language, like the Bantu language, or some of the languages sound like also very Ugandan, like, you know, that kind of caught me off. I was like, yeah, these people, yeah, these are basically our people, like. But yeah, outside of that, like Atope didn't really. I imagine, and you, Joel, you mentioned something about it being like, um, like a myth about kind of like similar to the gingerbread man and all that. And we also have, there's a similar myth also in like Chiga culture. And I think if, even like the whole idea of you know, Adam also is, I think it has mirrors in a way that whole thing, like in Chiga culture, the creation of man and stuff. It mirrors that, which I didn't know. But outside of that, I really don't have any strong opinions on Katope, like, outside of like, <laughs> get much from it. That's it. Yeah. so interesting. <laughs> Bobby, me, I liked Katope. I did. Like, it was, um, it was really, really well shot, so that took it a long way. Like, and the abstractness of it, I actually liked. I was curious about what like the bad thing is quite confusing but it didn't bother me i the only thing that actually i didn't like was the ending i i just wished we had seen her wash away more i i kind of wanted to see more i even wanted to see more of that ritual i just wish that ending was a little more a little longer and Nella, when you bring up Terrence Malik, I wish they had real gone and done extended shots the way he does it, because that would have left me even more happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> whether Katope was, I, I, my initial ranking even had it really high, like it was second to Jin. It's just like mm-hmm. thought a bit more, and I, it, I started remembering some things that lacked, and then putting in my sentimentality for for. for Katera, like, ah, then that middle section gets a bit jumbled up. But mm. Katope, I liked. I thought it was good. <laughs> maybe I'll rewatch it. I'll probably have to rewatch it. Now. And maybe I was just in a very receptive mood yeah. at the time. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll say it's a very inoffensive movie, by the way. That's why the feeling is just like disappointment. Like, you know, I like you, but you know, it felt like it could have gone a little higher. But I'm, but I'm like, by the way, there were even some shots, I think, in in this movie that I thought should have been in Katera uh, when I was imagining Katera being a bit more paced out uh, somewhere. But yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well shot film, but you know. Okay, and the final, <laughs> the final, <Finally>. final. <laughs> but my mom, <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, so my mom is the entry from South Africa, <clears throat> and <laughs> I think even what's more disappointing is reading about the actual mom Lambo. Like, fuck, there's so much potential there. Right? It's a legendary creature, and I, I think people have like played with it for a while. Sometimes it's a vengeful spirit that needs sacrifices. Sometimes it's used like as an allegory for climate. Like if you destroy that climate, then it will punish you. 
And then also in some versions, it's also like a feminine power and meaning for fertility. It's also like one of those things, like a gin also where it's like a blessing or a curse. But in the film now, here, mm-hmm. <laughs> eh, explaining what they're doing, I, you, it's so unmemorable. Like, <laughs> yeah, <don't you? laughs> but in the film, they open with this intro about it and how there's the water people, like this person that could be in the waterland and then the land, land like the water and the land. Now they've been mm-hmm. banished to the water and... After that, we're introduced to a woman who is giving up on herself and throws herself in the ocean to die, but then Mamlambo comes to save her. So we're in this secluded area that's all grassy and plantsy around. And that's where it's the most boring and confusing because it's like, Jesus, we go through... We go through seeing <laughs> her past. She was abused. They show us like 15 different newspaper covers to hammer in the point that there is abuse. Oh my God. And the then on top, of that, on top of that, they even give us a flashback like twice because we might fail to get that point. Oh my God. And then after that, they go through something. Mamlambo is like, you're the chosen one for some reason. Like you have reason to live. And Mamlambo goes in the water. I swear, I was bored and confused at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) There's a point, there's a thing she smokes like weed. There's a point her body is weak. It is just the crime this movie commits is so boring. (laughs) I simply could not with this film. It is painstakingly boring watching all these multiple things play out and I don't know how you can have two women in plant life and bore me to death like that I was not having it but (laughs) yeah I think in my description of the movie I and the most disappointing way I'm like okay give I want to understand where people were putting their money like why wasn't she more interesting as as a spiritual creature. I just didn't get that choice. At least don't entertain me somehow. Ah! Anyway, I really didn't like this film at all. There is barely a thing that I could comment to it. Snooze fest of this whole lineup. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, let me know your thoughts. <laughs> I mean, you've articulated everything so well already. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, like I really feel like there was just nothing in this film. Like I like even all that stuff you're adding of like Mam Lambo, like it would have been good to know that or like see a bit more of that. Like all I saw was just two ladies. I just imagine one was like uh some sort of witch or something <laughs> who heals people. <laughs> like I, even all that stuff you say over my head. Like I just imagine she fights people, heals them. <laughs> And initiates start to like take over from her or something. I was like, okay, but <laughs> nothing, nothing, like, nothing like this. Yeah, oh, I, I don't know what to say. I can't even like look for like yeah, it was shot well. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> was it? <laughs> it was. I mean, no, the, like the, the, the image quality was great. Like, <laughs> but yeah, like, hey. it's just yeah. I, I don't know like what to say. Like, it's just also one of those that. I just really didn't get much out of like 
along with maybe Katope and Arribas. Uh, I just didn't get much out of those three at all. I loved I loved that uh, the final shot that Avatar Way of Water <laughs> shot at the end where her eyes <laughs> went. <laughs> but but like um I, I I don't understand like where the budget went because you watch <laughs> like you watch Katera, you watch Enmity Jin, like you're seeing budget, right? So like watching this. I'm like, why is it two women just sitting in a forest talking? And the things they were talking about, it turned into like a medicine lesson. So like I'm passing to you this knowledge on how to use this local herbs. Like, what? Like, don't feel like, what am I watching? Like, what? Like, what is the movie? It's like, we just signed up for a whole lesson. It's like Harry Potter, but with all the cool magic stuff, like, taken out. It's just like a class for herbs. And then she bounces, and I, uh, and I was left wondering, what's this chick inheriting? Is she inheriting yeah. your powers? Because you're the one who jumped in at the end, and you had your eyes lighting up. So what's mm-hmm. she inheriting? It's like, pass on my knowledge of how to use local hubs and liberate all the abused women. Like, like, like I didn't get what the point uh, was. And... I, I can't even say, I can, I can even try to guess what the intent or style was. Like with some of the other movies where they fall short, I'm like, okay, the director intended this, and then these things kind of uh, got muddled during the process and they couldn't accomplish it. But with this one, um, I was hesitant to say, but it almost felt like lazier than, mm-hmm. the other, than the other films because there's so much they could have done with it. And if, even like Sharon, what you brought up with like um, more stuff to do with this Mama Mlambo spirit, um, you look at Enmity Jane. They didn't they didn't use any crazy VFX. They just yeah. had a really cool costume, mm-hmm. and I I feel like they could have given Mama Mlambo a costume better than just some random ish people were at home. Like <laughs> I, I did not understand why that was her clothing style. Like it felt like wardrobe they could not even spend some money just giving her an interesting you know looking costume just something to look at because otherwise yeah it just feels like there's this modern day chick who thinks she's a witch doctor chilling in the woods and telling people she's mama mlambo um <laughs> but yeah this film really irritated me and i think it's the only one where i dozed off i think for like five minutes i refused to rewind i was like you know whatever happened back there happened <laughs> we're going forward and as it turned out we missed nothing like there's literally nothing being said for several minutes it was so disappointing and then all those flashbacks so sharon what what you felt about anyango mm. like the abuse yeah, so i felt about these scenes i was like what is even happening like what like the newspaper clippings i was like what like, I get that abuse is bad, but why is it bad for her? Like, who is the character? <laughs> and I feel like I had to sit through the whole movie and still not get that answer of who this character was. So it's just like I watched a bunch of women doing some witchcraft in the woods, and then the movie ended. But anyway, yeah, this was by far my worst movie. I and I tend to like some bad movies sometimes, but I can't even as entertainment value. 
Like mm. this one was just boring. There's just nothing to latch on to. That's, yeah, that is crap. It's straight up boring. Like the others are quite watchable things. This is a snooze fest. Oh god, you've killed me. <laughs> <laughs> Any more thoughts on Mamlambo or oh, we are done with that? <laughs> I am very done. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um. Any final thoughts? Just overall thoughts on this on the African folklore, imagination, reimagination. Um. Just the whole project, really. Some general final thoughts. I think it's a really good one. Um. I loved seeing uh, like a catalog of all the young filmmakers that are dominating the individual industries and seeing what that is like i do also like that they're bringing stories that are obscure to the international world i'd be more curious to see uh, how international audiences respond to some of these stories i mean for us there's the hype of you know seeing our stories you know with some budget on it uh, but i wonder if um for international audiences this speaks more curiosity for stories from here and mm. I'm a big fan of magical realism, so I am pro stories like this being told. She's I was very heartbroken I didn't get in. But yeah, mm. the movies that were in there were amazing. I I hope they bring in enough new subscribers for a season two. Um and I also just want to say uh for, for all the jokes and all the stuff <laughs> that I said about the movies, uh we are at least I am. Uh, very proud of like all the filmmakers that uh, made it to this list. They're the pioneers, uh, definitely. So they're the ones who are going to be making all the mistakes that uh, the rest of us shall benefit from. Um, sure. So big congratulations to everybody involved in the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll just say that I also think it's a great initiative, uh, the whole um, UNESCO partnering with Netflix to, you know, give these uh, young African filmmakers a platform. And I'm yeah, definitely looking forward to there being a season two and then perhaps even expanding it to have like more, you know, more short films. And, you know, as they keep, if it's something they keep doing over the years, there'll be like at least, this as Joe said, a catalog of like, you know, different like African folktales and actually produced. I mean, I don't I don't think they would cancel because as you said, the outlay like budget wise, like per per each you said that like, was like ninety thousand dollars or something around that there. Yeah. So like when you look at the outlay, like it's something I feel they can do continuously. And like it's not as much of like a, a hit to their pockets as perhaps some of their other like Netflix shows and stuff like that that really have to depend on ratings. This could just be in a corporate social responsibility thing <laughs> that mm-hmm. they do and actually give these people like give more African filmmakers like a platform and mm-hmm. you know we have like three, four, five, six seasons and like all these great voices from Africa get a chance to actually like tell a story that can be seen like on a, a global platform like Netflix. So yeah, I'm, I mean I'm just happy that like we are getting content like this. So yeah, long may it continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I really, really agree. I think it has, but 
given that this was like funded by mostly i think unesco i think yeah. your corporate social responsibility thing is quite oh. accurate yeah, because I actually thought it was Netflix that funded it most. And, and it's a partnership with UNESCO, yeah. yeah. So they definitely put a lot of money in it because yeah. they really are going ha- hard on talking about how they've done something so important. <clears throat> I would also like to see a version of this that's also not restricted in bounds by the motive of UNESCO as well. Yeah. Like, um, so, yeah, I think this is an initiative that can continue. I hope to see it continue. These films are great. I really have the same sentiment as you, Joel. Like, this is, I, I feel like this is our top tier and it's a top tier that I'm happy to see. It's just dope to see this and what people have done. Like, we're moving in the right direction, I feel. Let's see. I also hope for people to invest in other places because right now a lot of people, like, say the Amazons, Amazon and... Uh, Amazon especially has also started putting money into Nollywood so I would wish for also those big production companies to come to the other African countries and pour some money in there for the filmmakers to make some cool things yeah um, I can't wait to see what else comes out of course we know Lukman's film is on the way uh, yeah I look forward to whatever is next <clears throat> that's it from me so I think that ends the episode. Yep. Um, thanks, guys. Um, if you can't tell, we are recording remotely. Let me hope the sound is fire. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this allows us to freely record more. Thanks for listening to anyone out there. Hope you enjoyed the episode. We will be back soonest. Don't want to promise, but we will be back. <laughs> Um, and that's it. So this is Cinema Redfield. I'm Sharon. I'm Timothy. And I'm Joel. And bye. People make films about themselves. What they want. What they love. What they fear most. Here we're nothing but props and their stories. Somebody say